Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday to you and yours. Uh, we made it through the weekend. We're ready to get the week started in an awesome fashion. We have a fantastic show uh, for you today. Shamika Michelle, Steve Kim going to be here. We're going to talk a little Oscars. We're going to talk a little NFL. Uh, big day for Asian Americans. I mean, my God, with that Oscars win last night, can't wait to talk to Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, about that. I know he's on pins and needles about, what's it called, everything, everywhere, all at once or whatever, best picture, starring a bunch of Asian actors. Steve Kim's got to be elated. Can't wait to talk with him about that. Uh, before I get rolling, though, I got to get you fearless soldiers out there uh, to help me fight the algorithm. You got to fight the algo. And you know how you do that? You do that by hitting the likes button right now uh, on YouTube. Hit the likes. Get in the comments. Uh, if you're listening over Apple, give me that five-star review. Leave a message. Leave a review. Just a few words. Hey, Jason, you're great. Looking awesome. Love, you know, that Adidas wear you're wearing. It, it, well, on Apple, you can't see what I'm doing. But anyway, uh, like, you know, you can comment on my hair, anything you want to talk about. You can comment on whatever we're talking about on the show. And we're going to be talking about the Oscars. We're going to talk some NFL today. But uh, we need 5,000 likes on this episode over YouTube. This is very easy. Takes you just a few seconds to fight the algo. We're having some success. Thanks to you guys, you need to stay in this fight with us. You know our, our point of view is under attack, and all you have to do is fight back. Just hit the like button, leave a comment, any, any little message. You can crack fact jokes, you can anything. I don't care. Just engage with our content. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, so we've gotten that taken care of. Uh, I think that's all the business I need to take care of before we get this show uh, rolling and started. Uh, I watched uh, part of the Oscars last night. I, I, I caught uh, Angela Bassett last night uh, acting very, very entitled. Uh, she did not win Best Supporting Actress for her role in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And Angela Bassett uh, threw a little tantrum, as you know, seems to be the commonplace with every, all these black elites and how entitled they feel. Let's watch uh, Angela Bassett, 62 year old woman, uh, up for Best Supporting Actress for a role in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Not a good movie. She dies in the movie. Her, her, her role in the movie is not that consequential, and it certainly wasn't some great acting performance. And so here she is last night winning uh, or watching Jamie Lee Curtis win the Best Supporting Actress, and Angela Bassett sits there entitled, doing nothing. This was the big controversial moment last night in the Oscars. In comparison to last year's uh, Oscars where uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, this is nothing. B but I will say there is a pattern going on with these award shows. This entitled mindset and behavior that, that's going on. Why is it always featuring us? And by us, I mean black people. Why? You, this this looks the exact same, or it's in it's not not the exact same. It's cut from the same cloth as in 2009. Kanye West at the Video Music Awards at the VMAs, hopping on stage, feeling like Beyonce had been disrespected because Taylor Swift won Best Female Video of the Year. You guys remember that? Kanye West jumps on stage and takes the mic from Taylor Swift and says Beyonce, y'all know Beyonce had the best video, blah, blah, blah. One of the most embarrassing, entitled moments in award show history. And then last year, Will Smith upset that Chris Rock cracked a joke about his wife, walked on stage and slapped Chris Rock. 
No one will forget that. That's entitled behavior. Oh, how dare you crack a joke about my wife? I'm gonna walk on stage, I'm Will Smith, I'm bigger than anybody here, I'm gonna slap you. This is this emotional, entitled mentality of women and the matriarchal culture that America is buying into and black Americans have swallowed whole. We feel like we're owed something. And that type of mentality provokes, encourages bad behavior. It encourages entitled behavior, classless behavior. The mentality of entitlement poisons everything. It provokes unfairness and bigotry. And so I watched last night as Angela Bassett threw, threw her little tantrum, and it was small, but it's not a surprise that this female energy then provokes black men to join, in, <clears throat> to join in on the stupidity and the entitlement. And so Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors threw on capes for Angela Bassett. And I know everybody's a plot, yeah, support black women, protect black women at all costs. Make a fool of yourself for black women. We got jails loaded up with black men who have caped up and made fools of themselves for women. You talk to anybody that spent any time in, in, in jail, you talk to anybody that studies beyond coming from a broken family, beyond drugs being involved, there's generally speaking women at the root of a lot of the stupid behavior of men. And that's not me blasting women. It's me blasting men for going for this BS, for adopting the mentality of a woman, for getting emotional like a woman, for buying into the entitlement and the narcissism of women. Jada Pinkett Smith didn't ask Will Smith to go up on stage and slap Chris Rock. Her entitled mindset provoked it. Her victimhood mindset provoked it, but she didn't ask. She just puts him in that culture, in that mindset, and then lets nature take its course. Beyonce didn't ask Kanye to go on stage in 2009. But when your mindset is entitled and you're a victim at all times, and you're owed something at all times, you're gonna do dumb stuff. Like, now again, this isn't as bad as Chris Rock. It's not as bad as uh, Kanye West. But Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, and uh, Jonathan Majors jumped in and threw a little pity party for Angela Bassett during last night's Oscars. Watch. It's very small and subtle, but they did it. Hey, Auntie. We love you. Mm -hmm. They just justified her pity party and her victimhood. Oh, you didn't win. And it's racism. That, that's, again, it's all unstated, but we feel sorry for you. You're hurting. There's other women that didn't win that award. There's other women that weren't nominated for that award. There are people who did far better acting jobs and were in far better movies than Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, that didn't even get nominated. Anybody throwing pity parties for them? But we've bought into this matriarchal pity, victimhood culture, and it's making fools of us. We look like fools, again, last night, I, again, I'm using the word we, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid that. But there is a shared culture that an overwhelming number of black people have bought into. And look, the, the whole country 
is buying into victimhood culture. That's why everybody's finding their identity that qualifies them for victimhood. I'm bi, I'm trans, I'm non-binary. I'm LGBTQ plus silent P. I, I'm, I'm some group that's been marginalized. Everybody's doing it. We're just doing it the most and at the highest level and most dramatically. The, the woman, the, the, the movie that got the most hype, praise and awards last night Everything, everywhere, all at once. What's this woman, this 60 year old woman, Michelle Yeoh got best actor or best actress in a leading role. Everything, everywhere, all at once, one best picture. My God, because it won last night, I watched the movie this morning. It is one of the dumbest, worst movies in the history of America, in the history of the planet. I don't know where it's made. It's featuring a lot of Asian people. It's written by, what do they call these guys? The Daniels, some, two dudes named Daniel. Their alternative lifestyle. It won because of this whole victimhood mentality that everyone's buying into and Hollywood is promoting. Oh, the Asians and the LGBTQ and the trans crowd and the drag queens have all been marginalized. Let's give them awards. If there's someone that understood this movie, please email me. Please email, and I'll have you on the show this week to explain why this was a good movie. This is the dumbest, most sexually perverse. Some dude got beat with two huge dildos in this movie. There were butt plugs hanging out the rear end of guys as they were fighting. And we're calling this the best picture. This is this victimhood mentality, this diversity, equity, inclusion mentality that creates victimhood. Critical race theory creates victimhood. It makes victims of everyone. So here's the woman that starred in that movie. And I hope I said her last name right. Michelle Yo, Yo, Y E. O-H, whatever her name is. Here's her speech, uh, her celebra celebratory speech from last night. This is actually a historical moment. So I really have to thank the Academy for acknowledging, embracing diversity and true representation. I think this is something that we have been working so hard towards for a very long time. And tonight, we frigging broke that glass ceiling. I kung fu'd it out and shattered it. And we need this because there are so many who have felt unseen, unheard. It's not just the Asian community. This is for the Asian community, but for anybody who's in, been identified as a minority, we deserve to be heard. We deserve to be seen. We deserve to have the equal opportunity so we can have a seat at the table. That's all we are asking for. Give us that opportunity. Let us prove we are worth it. So that speech she just gave is why Angela Bassett was so upset. Angela Bassett was dreaming about giving her little victory parade speech and wrapping herself in the victimhood flag and convincing everybody, I'm doing this for poor black kids everywhere. I'm knocking down glass ceilings. And it's because this whole victimhood mentality, all these people believe, these elites, they all believe the more they get, the more the lower class people will receive in benefit. It's the biggest lie being told. It's trickle down racial justice. Oh, I, if Angela Bassett could 
put an Oscar on her mantle in her mansion somewhere in Hollywood, little black girls across America will all start getting straight A's in math and English because they'll be so inspired. They convince themselves that the better things are for Angela Bassett, the better they'll be for these faraway black people that they move as far away from as they possibly can and live in some gated white community somewhere. While if, if, if I just get a few more million dollars, boy, wait till you see how it rains on them kids in Chicago. This is a gimmick and a scam. And so Angela Bassett's sitting there thinking about this Michelle Yeoh and this speech she's going to give about little Asian kids and Angela Bassett in her mind. Oh, I was going to give that speech for little black kids and it was going to rain on. And, and none of it's true. It's all narcissism and entitlement. The nature of women, the nature of women is to take protect their kids and to take care of themselves. That is it. Their own personal children, they will do anything for. And they'll do anything for themselves. The rest of humanity, they could care, they could not care less about. That's the nature of women. I'm not demonizing their nature. Love that God created a species that loves their kids most. They have a different nature than man. Man's history and nature is he will make all kinds of sacrifices for the betterment of mankind. History is littered with men who have sacrificed their lives for freedoms and rights others will enjoy. Not all men, but a lot. It's in our nature to be protectors and to make sacrifices for others. Not that women don't make sacrifices, but they make sacrifices first and foremost for their kids and themselves. That's it. And so this whole matriarchal mindset that men are adopting, and you can see it in black men first and foremost, running out, co-signing the improper behavior of Angela Bassett and others in public. Oh, you gotta protect them at all costs. Never wanna correct. Never want to say, no, you out of line. Because we're so afraid of losing access to that sweet spot. And we've so bought in to this matriarchal culture idea and how much better things will be once women are in charge and are empowered. We've so abandoned a biblical worldview so that we could be right with the world. It's a joke, and it was on display last night. It's, it's <laughs> one of the Daniels, Scheinert, I think is his name, that put this movie on. Again, he, he was out there repping his people too. He Just like Angela Bassett and Michelle Yeoh, He's out repping his, his little crew of special people that are old things. Drag kids are old things. Let's, let's listen to Daniel. Specifically, my mom and dad, Ken and Becky, thank you for not squashing my creativity when I was making really disturbing horror films or really perverted comedy films or dressing in drag as a kid, which is a threat to nobody. Uh... I was making really perverted sexual movies and I was dressing in drag and I wasn't, a no one said you were a threat to anybody. But I just, we don't want to know it, don't need to see it, don't need to be trying to seduce other kids into doing it. Don't want to really hear about it. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. 
Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. So they gave best picture to everything, everywhere, all at once. And so I, I, I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is horrible. So I, had, I asked Shamika to watch it. And, and I'm like, Shamika, am I right? Is that, is that not? And we're going to bring Shamika in from North Carolina. I'm sorry. Uh, am I right? That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Am I right? Jason. Yes, I've never been to jail, but I have to imagine that it's torture, just like watching that movie. It was absolute torture. I would have fallen asleep in the theater, but I had to keep shifting and turning to stay awake this morning watching it. It wasn't good. And I don't like to watch anything where I, ha where I have to actually read the captions at the bottom. I just don't like it when people don't speak clear, plain English. It's almost like when you call someone place and they they have uh, outsourced their customer service and you can't understand what they're saying. That's what this movie was like all the way through. I hated it. If I was if, if I wanted to imitate men on films, it would be hated it. It wasn't good at all. I don't even understand how it could could win an Oscar. I got the whole multiverse thing because I remember in 2020, it seems like it kind of the, the talk about us being in a multiverse ramped up. People were making all these YouTube videos. It was we have to be in an alternate universe. So I can see why they would actually put something like this out because of that idea. But it just wasn't a good movie at all. It, it and they've been going this direction for a long time. I, I'll never forget when Moonlit won Best Picture. And I went, I was like, okay, let me go try to watch it. And so I went and tried to watch it, and it was it was stupid. And it got the best picture because it hammered the gay agenda. Uh, and, and it just wasn't a good movie. So over the last, feels like to me, 15 years, the worst movies are winning the Oscar and it always has to do, is it serving the agenda? And I, 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 people have completely disagreed with me on this take, but I defy anybody to rewatch 12 Years a Slave and tell me that that's a good movie. That, that was a, uh, a series of torture scenes that was not an entertaining movie. It, it, it was not a compelling movie. It was a, it was a series of torture scenes made to make people, white people feel bad about themselves and black people to feel entitled and owed something. And so because of the agenda it was pushing, people pretended like it was a good movie. It's not a good movie. It was a horrible movie and it won Best Picture. And, and so now, what Angela Bassett is sitting there uh, perhaps realizing today is like the agenda has moved. You was hot for a minute, black women, blah, blah, blah. But now they've moved the agenda to the LGBTQ directors and to Asians and to everybody else. And what what favors China and what favors the globe rather than an award show that, because they've added a bunch of uh, voters to the Academy from around the globe. Uh, and so the, the whole, I've tried, and again, I've hammered this point many, many times, but all of these black people that are on board with this global citizen garbage don't realize you're gonna be third and fourth and fifth class citizens. Is, uh, you're, you're gonna be after we take care of China and the Asian group and the LGBT, and that's what's happening in real time. And Angela Bass is sitting there uh, mad as hell that you know Jamie Lee Curtis, and because and, Jamie Lee Curtis after the awards thing, she was talking about, was literally started the conversation about let's eliminate men and women categories 
so that the non-binary people feel uh, <laughs> invited. And, and, and I'm just sitting there. Do y'all see where this ends? This ain't about you. It's never been about you. You. It's about the alphabet mafia and the silent P. I've been trying to tell people. Uh, but I, 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 what did you think of Angela Bassett's behavior last night, Shamika? You know, I just didn't understand why her or anyone else. I mean, I guess I would understand why she's upset. She really wanted to win. But I just didn't think Wakanda was that movie that actually should have gotten her an Oscar. First of all, she died. Her accent wasn't that great. And I just did not like her in this role to say, oh, yeah, she should deserve an Oscar. Now, when it came to what's love got to do with it and she was like, hey, They'll get nothing on you. Or, of course, I know the words. I I wrote it. Or, left a good job down in the city. That was a good movie. I felt like she deserved awards for that. She embodied Tina Turner. With this whole uh, Wakanda, I just didn't think it was that great. And so I do feel like a lot of times they give you the award for the worst movie because you know, Denzel was okay in training day, but I didn't think that was necessarily Oscar worthy. I didn't think Halle Berry's uh, performance in Monsters Ball was Oscar worthy in comparison to some of their other work. And Monique winning an Oscar for being a mean, abusive uh, mother. So I guess if we were going against, if, if we were going along that criteria, maybe Angela should have won last night. I didn't think what what Jamie Lee Curtis did was that uh, great. You know, as many times as I've seen her come against Michael Myers, you're going to give her an award for this. She was a better hooker in, in training places. I just did not understand how this was Oscar worthy for her either. It, it was awful. Well, she was in the right movie with the right agenda and the right message. But but just even listening to you talk about what Denzel won for or whatever, that's a Training Day is a very memorable movie. Monsters Ball, memorable movie. What's love got to do with it? Memorable movie. You will never convince me anybody thinks Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a memorable movie. It's just not. It's it was some yeah. hot garbage. And it, it, in some little fantasy utopian world where some 90 pound black woman is beating up everybody. I mean, it's, it's a joke. And so at least Denzel and Holly Berry and they won for good in good movies. I could see where because I mean, Training Day is a classic. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I just this whole Wakanda forever, Black Panther. Angela Bassett sitting on TV, basically crying, and then Michael B. Jordan and and Jonathan Majors running out there to cape up for her. It just irritated me, and it reminded me of Kanye West. It, 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 it reminded me of Will Smith, just a different version of Will Smith. These dudes let these women, with, and these women, I can't even blame them, but, but they let these women trigger them into coming out of character and doing things that they shouldn't do. Man, we, we've raised the softest, weakest group of men in the history of the planet. Jason, let me tell you a story. I posted a picture of Michelle and Barack Obama. They were canoeing or something. And it looked as if Michelle was doing most of the rowing. She was the one sweating. Obama was chilling like, you know, he had he just had no work to do there. And so a lot Big of people, Mike had it under control. Big Mike had it under control. <laughs> and a lot of people were commenting exactly that. I had a male classmate to call me to say I had to unfollow you on Instagram. And I was like, OK, you know, we don't get notifications for that. I had no idea. And he was like, you know, not necessarily because of what you posted, but I didn't like the way people were talking about Michelle in your comments and you didn't defend her. Do you think I'm supposed to get in the comments and, and 
argue with every person that had something to say about Michelle looking like the man in this picture. That was silly to me. And here he was wanting to cape up for a woman who will never see my post, who has no idea who he is, but he thought he needed to call me to let me know he unfollowed me because of what people were saying in the comments. And you're right. We raised a generation of men that are so absolutely weak. This shouldn't even have mattered to him on social media, but it did. And he felt the need to call me and tell me why he unfollowed me, although I never would have known. Well, we've created a belief system and a mentality that right or wrong, we're supposed to just run out and defend anything a woman does. That, 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 you know, and so if Jada Pinkett Smith puts a clown suit on Will Smith and, and emasculates this man, we're really not supposed to say anything about it. And when Will Smith finally snaps, you definitely don't say anything about it. Uh, I have no idea what Kanye, and you guys, I've defended Kanye in the past, and I like Kanye. I have no idea what he was doing. Beyonce that if I was Jay if I was Jay-Z I would have smacked Kanye because it would look like you must be stalking my wife now you don't went to some lengths I ain't gone to uh <laughs> you know what, what, what's your issue with Beyonce and 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 then you run out and get Kim Kardashian who's basically the white Beyonce uh, you know it, it seemed kind of stalkerish to me uh what what Kanye was doing uh, some I I I, I, I I'm at a loss I'm at a lot. Final thought, if you have any or not, I'll move on to the Korean Cosell. No, I'm laughing, though, Jason, because I actually thought the same thing when Kanye jumped up there, which may be why Beyonce said, like, I, I break the Internet top two, but I ain't number two, because she knew exactly what he was doing as well. Like, and he went out and got Kim Kardashian they were in a race. Beyonce get pregnant, Kim get, get pregnant. Beyonce get pregnant, Kim go get surrogate. Like he was in a race. He was, he idolizes Beyonce. Here this man claims to be a Christian and his favorite song from her last terrible whack album was Church Girl. Kanye is obsessed with Beyonce and I'm glad somebody else noticed it because I've been thinking it for years. Uh, thank you, Shamika. I need you guys to hit the likes, get in the comments. We need 5,000 likes on this video. Uh, need you, if you're on Apple, got a five-star review, leave a review as well. Just write a few little words commenting about the show. We got to beat the algorithm. We got to fight the algorithm. I want to remind you guys, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Want your thoughts. If somebody can explain this movie, everything, everywhere, all at once, why this is a good movie. If anyone has an explanation can defend this show, please email me, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Or if you have any thoughts about anything we're discussing, email. I'd love to get your emails. If you're coming to Roll Call, I need you to email me and let me know. Love to hear that. Always guarantees a response from me. Uh, there's still time to buy tickets for Roll Call. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Uh, bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. Guys, this is going to be a tremendous event. We're in the final stages. We're basically one month from roll call. It's going to be a historic event. I think today or tomorrow, I'm supposed to be getting my dog tags delivered uh, that you know will be available to you all as well. This is going to be tremendous. Uh, once you guys there, go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. There's still tickets available for the breakfast and for the uh, Friday cookout. Uh, Want to see you here in Nashville with us. FearlessArmyRollCall.com. All right, Korean Coast Kel <laughs> Korean Coast Sales, Steve Kim. Next. Atheists, the secular world, the culture, uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men 
We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture. And we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for the Korean Cosell. Uh, big night in the Cosell household with everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, winning Best Picture and Michelle Yeoh winning uh, Best Actor. I'm sure this is a big moment in Asian American history. Uh, Cosell, you, you popped some champagne last night? Yeah, I, I started the new hashtag, Oscar So Yellow. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did, did we win something? I'm not a lot of you. Right now, my focus is uh, Mario Cristobal has two new coordinators. Who's going to be my left tackle? And we need a couple more cornerbacks. <laughs> That's what this crouching tiger is worried about. Not no Oscars. Let's be very honest. <laughs> We all have our priorities in life. Uh, and so you didn't watch the Oscars. Did you watch, uh, did you watch the Bracketology or the Bracket Show? Do, are you aware of, are you filling out an NCAA bracket? Uh, Jason, I'm going to say this right now. I may not even watch the Final Four. And, and again, we're gonna, this is a common theme that me and you have talked about for a year and a half. There used to be a time that that Thursday of the tournament, I would find a way to either ditch school, get a flu, get the cooties, get something, or just take a day off from work as I graduated. I really don't care. It's actually sad how apathetic I am towards NCAA basketball. There, it really is. Because literally, I could name you basically the starting lineup of teams from the 80s and 90s, and a little bit into the 2000s. I am not exaggerating. This is not hyperbolic. I can't name you one player in college basketball. In fact, the last player that I remember is Zion Williamson. 
as I told you, his four months. You can name Brandon Miller. All right, yeah, because he's a great shooter or a great assist man, right? He does all the little things. He he gives the assist and he sets screens. It turns out anyway, uh, allegedly, allegedly. Let's not let's not litigate that here, you know. All right. Well, one thing I know you do pay attention to beyond Miami football is the NFL and mm. some big moves uh, in the past 24, 48, 72 hours. Jalen Ramsey. Mm. The Dolphins have hired a mercenary at cornerback in Jalen Ramsey. That, to me, signals that the Dolphins are in win-right-now mode, which makes me wonder if they think they can win right now with Tua Tungviola. I know they picked up his fifth-year option, but I've heard some scuttlebutt. That does not mean they are committed to Tua for next year, you know, given his injury history, that you know you get you pick up his option to you don't discard him and look callous, and the guy has been injured and all these other things. D- do you think the Dolphins plan to stick with Tua w- when they've acquired all the people? They get Tyree Hill last year, now Jalen Ramsey this year. You think two is their quarterback this coming season? Well, if you're going to go all in on one year, uh, I, then I try to see what I can do to bring Aaron Rodgers to Miami. Not Lamar Jackson. I know that's going to upset people. And there are some durability concerns with that young man right there. And just the arm talent. Look, Aaron Rodgers, to me, is not quite the quarterback he was even two, three years ago. And that's to be expected, given his age. But if you have those weapons outside, you've got to have the best trigger man possible. Now, as for uh, Jalen Ramsey, I find this very interesting, Jason. He He's a very talented player. I mean, for much of his career, he's been like a top 20 player, certainly one of the better defensive players in the world. This is now, what, his fourth team. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, what's my comparison to him? I, I just kept coming back to Erica Badu. Yeah, better call Tyrone because no one ever sticks with Erica Badu. No one, if you really think about it, I've been doing some research on old Erica. She has three kids from three different baby daddies. Yeah, that's Badu. You better call Jalen because if you need a stopgap, you're not going to marry her because there's simply too many issues, a little bit crazy. Um, it's not going to be really stable. The highs will be high, but you want to get the hell out of there within a couple of years. That's what he is. You better call Jalen. <laughs> the Erica Badu analogy for Jalen Ramsey. That's going to be an all-time Cosell. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's one year. <laughs> I, I did not see that one coming. Well, here's uh, what happened. That, that's, I, I was watching Jada Black. Just shout out to him. I really enjoy his content. And look, I really liked Erica Badu at one time. Kind of lost contact with her. Never knew her. I'm just saying that's 15 years. I've just kind of moved on. So on my YouTube feed, it comes out like, this is why no one wants to wipe up Erica Badu. So I'm watching the video, and wow, she's one step from being another version of Madonna. It's like, okay, you can age gracefully, girl, but she didn't. And that's the thing. Jalen Ramsey no longer is what I'd call an elite cornerback. Because quite frankly, he doesn't really play cornerback all the time. Kind of plays that star position, which now in positionless football, you better have defensive backs that could blitz, come forward, play in the box, but also play out in space. So there's a great value to him. But uh, I just – it's so funny because it only seems like two weeks ago that the Rams made this big move to go all in on one year, and Ramsey was part of that process. And you see what the Rams are doing. One season removed from a Super Bowl, they're basically saying, let's liquidate our assets and move forward. You made an interesting comment about Aaron Rodgers to the Dolphins. If he did go to the Dolphins, and we don't know where he's headed, but if he did, would you make them a co-favorite to win a Super Bowl? How, do you think are they better than the Chiefs? That's a great question. You know what I like about the Chiefs? The continuity. Continuity. Uh you know, even though the Chiefs lost their offensive coordinator, wink, wink, right? But you still have 
long as you have that combination of Andy Reid and Mahomes, and they're look, they're going to lose people. Everyone loses people. But I, I wonder if a part of Aaron Rodgers now just wants to have two weapons on the outside. He hasn't had that in a while. He's had one great receiver in Devontae Adams for the last seven, eight years before last year. But now he's got some legitimate speed. And think about this. Come October, November, it's still going to be 75 degrees for the most part. The conditions are going to be much more conducive to easier quarterback play. That might even be a factor. And I'm just telling you, there are still times that Rodgers drops dimes, and you're like, wow, that is exquisite. But his play last year at certain junctures looked like he was checked out of Green Bay. Now, does he need a new change of scenery? He might, but I'll say this again, and I know I'm repeating myself. For his legacy to be complete, I think he needs at least one more Lombardi trophy. Miami would be a good place to try to go get that done. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they go mm. all in on mm. this year's NFL draft, give up a lot of assets to get the Bears' number one pick overall. Uh, th- there's Bryce Young is out there. Uh, C.J. Stroud is out there. And then there's this Anthony Richardson who wowed everybody during the combine and looks like Cam Newton 2.0. Do you think the Carolina Panthers want the next Cam Newton? Or or who do you think they're eyeing with the number one pick? Hold on. If they're getting the next Cam Newton, yes, take them. Here's the problem. You're not getting Cam Newton. Can we go back about, what, 13, 14 years ago when you fell in love with Cam Newton? Cam Newton in that one year, I believe it was 2010, I thought was one of the most dominant players I have ever seen. And I'll tell you why. If you look at that Auburn squad, can you name me another standout player on either side of the ball? They had Nick Fairley, the defensive tackle, who did not work out. Highly drafted, but his career was very ordinary. Name me another Didn't guy. Didn't they have a running back? They had Didn't a they have a running back? back? They had a running back by the name of Michael Dyer, who who basically was a pretty good freshman. They had Blake on the outside. They had some decent playmakers. But I have never seen a guy carry a team the way Cam Newton did in at Auburn that one year. It's not like they had all these NFL guys. They really didn't. I think Jeff Blake's son was one of the wide receivers. Um, again, uh, Michael Dyer was a good freshman running back whose career fizzled out because he had some issues, ended up transferring. Look at that roster. That that should not have been a national title team, yet Cam Newton willed it to happen. Willed it. Right? Do you see a lot of people? Oh, D. Ford was on that team. D. Ford was on that team. Good, good edge sophomore though. I don't know how dominant he was. Yeah, did he really play a lot? I don't remember him that year. Nick Fairley was the guy inside that was an absolute hoss. Didn't turn out to be Warren Sapp at the next level. All right. So with that being said, Jason, would you trust any quarterback in modern day football? Okay, in the age of the bubble screen, the shuttle screen, the smoke screen, and the rules the way they are conducted. And in the age of the spread, would you pick with the number one pick overall? I don't mean top 20. I'm talking with the first pick. Would you choose a quarterback whose completion percentage was 53.8%? Because that's what Anthony Richardson is. Okay. Let me give you another comparable. Let me give you another comparable. I called him the Cam Newton 2.0. What if people were out there saying, this is Josh Allen 2.0? Remember the knock on Josh Allen coming out of college was completion percentage. And he is what you call the anomaly. Now, is there a chance that could happen? Sure. The problem I have with Anthony Richardson, and I watched a lot of Florida games, he's a brilliant athlete. His effort at the combine was not a surprise. But – I'm, I'm just saying, is he the quarterback version of Mike Mamula? We all know in shirts and a T-shirt. <laughs> he took the, the name right out of my mouth. Right. That's what I mean. I like was a, just thinking of Mike Mamula, yeah. Throwing against air in the cone, he will look unbelievable. 
He will look like an American gladiator. In fact, he'll look like Daley Thompson. Remember him? The Cathlon, I think, won two gold medals. In other words, he can do everything except complete passes. I saw a lot of Florida games this year where he just could not complete enough passes, and the offense stalled. I think the two riskiest guys in this draft that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole with a top-10 pick are Richardson and Will Levis of Kentucky because they are unbelievably physically and athletically But you watch too many games, and you know what you don't see? Enough intermediate and short passes that are completed routinely. And so I just look at that, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why is the messaging the last 30 years, don't take the combine so seriously. Watch the game tape. That's the mantra, right? Everybody since Mike Mamula said, watch the game tape. This stuff doesn't matter. All of a sudden with Richardson, the game tape doesn't matter. Why? The guy literally threw... For 53.8%. That is a terrible. Look, nowadays, Jason, if you throw for 61 or 62, that's actually very, very borderline. If Frank Reich really values his job, I don't think that's the number one player. I really don't. I believe that C.J. Stroud, based on his size and his background and his production, is the safest. Highest upside, I think, is Bryce Young, but I have concerns about his size. With Richardson, if you're going to give him a chance to truly develop, you have to do what the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans did with Steve McNair. You basically redshirt him for two years, let him learn and develop, then you let him play. Because remember how they developed McNair. McNair, the first two years, didn't even throw 150 passes combined. I think he's a project, very high physical upside. There's no way in the world I would use him as the number one pick. Mm. Well, if you don't, that's interesting, and I tend to agree with you, but if you don't play him this first two years, you don't get to enjoy all the benefits of the rookie contract. You're right. That is a factor. But, Jason, I I find it like Dan Orlovsky. You know I like Dan O. He's one of those few ESPN personalities that I really enjoy. I have a genuine respect for his knowledge and his acumen. I saw a Twitter clip where he he throws like this clip of Richardson completing a pass. And it says, yeah, what accuracy issues? I'm like, you could literally take a play of anybody and say, wow, what a great player. You know what Bill Walsh used to do? The 49ers draft philosophy was, and they were masters, especially Bill Walsh. Him and Jimmy Johnson are the two best I've ever seen at manipulating the draft board because they understood value, okay? But when Bill Walsh looked at a player, they'd get the whole wheel, and he would instruct his staff, okay, get that guy's best five plays and get his worst plays. Throw that out. We're going to look at the meat on the bone because that's what that player is. Just watch some Florida games, and you're going to see a lot of one-hoppers. A lot of one-hoppers, a lot of overthrows, and you're not going to see a lot of intermediate throws that are thrown on time right on the money. I'm just telling you, I I think Richardson is worthy of a first-round draft choice, but in the real world, I would say somewhere between the middle and the mid-20s. Yeah, that's like someone catching me at a salad bar and going, look at that right. diet. It's incredible. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do you, there's a highlight right. of me eating a nice, healthy salad. <laughs> you know, in high school one time, I actually had two line drives in a game. It didn't make me Asian pony <laughs> win. Okay. Again, that's called the anomaly. Jeez. Uh, uh, <clears throat> there are rumors circulating. A guy that I follow, I think his name's Don Kleiman or Dove Oh, Kleiman. on Twitter. Good guy. Has a lot of a lot of scoops there. A lot of NFL stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And is it Don or Dove or Isn't that Dove D O V remember? Like bar. Yeah. Yeah. Dove, he he posted soap. a rumor. Yeah, he posted a rumor that no team will make a play for Lamar Jackson. Uh oh. He's hearing that that. That, that's what he's hearing, that no one is going to make a bid for Lamar ah. Jackson. And and, and, and the, the reason Uh-oh. why I give it some credibility is because I, I'm just telling you, Lamar Jackson 
There's a oh. whole offensive system and structure yeah. and style of mm-hmm. play. He's not plug and play. You have to revamp your entire organization, and and that's hard to do in a single off season. And then you got to find the right coaches. And you know, Greg Roman to me is the Lamar Jackson whisperer. He got yeah. run out, mm-hmm. and 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 now he's the bad guy. And so it, it will not surprise me at his economic demands and what you have to do to your entire system and culture. It would not surprise me if if Baltimore is really the only team that makes sense for Lamar Jackson. This this is a crying shame. And it reminds me, I'm gonna use another far out analogy. Remember that movie from Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty? This one here is stop or my mom will negotiate. I mean, Lamar, get yourself just an old white guy. Get Lee Steinberg. Get Condon. Get some, Get Tank Black. Watch Tank Black, though. Watch his back. I'm just get a real agent. This is ridiculous that he might – there's actually reports, Dave, that he may not even start the season on a roster. Now, look, that's worst case. But to even to get to this point, we are still talking about an athlete very much in his prime – who's only a couple seasons removed from an MVP campaign, and he's out in limbo. This is why you hire professional representation. But, Jason, I agree with you. With this style of offense, and given the fact it might be a whole new team, if I'm getting a new quarterback, I want that guy at every offseason workout, whether it's voluntary or mandatory, every passing camp, every mini camp, and to say, well, who knows, maybe we'll make a deal in early September and we'll work you in for November. That's a wasted year. That is a wasted year. But again, it seems to me like Lamar Jackson and his mother played Russian roulette, and they may have caught the bullet. It's really sad. This thing is going to get racialized, and there's going to be a lot of whining and crying about it. Just make Angela Bassett look like uh, a, a day a walk in the park. <laughs> compared to the crime we're going to see about Lamar Jackson. But uh, I, I, I would be, and I like Lamar Jackson, but I'd be very hesitant to turn over my entire organization to a guy that has missed 10 of his team's last 22 games, including yeah. a playoff game by choice. Jason, everyone, you know, it's interesting that everyone is talking about that now C word, collusion, Right. I say, yeah, it's a C word, all right, or phrase, common sense. Think about this, Jason. For the last year or so, before Lamar Jackson got to this point, from the time Deshaun Watson and Cleveland got into their union, where they're all in, right? I mean, they put the ring on the finger without a prenup, right? Everyone, every NFL pundit, whether it was just a traditional writer, journalist, or a player-turned-analyst, all said, Oh, my God, what a terrible deal. How could they do this? No one should ever do this. How? What were they thinking? But think about this. Now they're expecting that treatment for Lamar Jackson. So which is it, guys? Did, I, I, and I get it. The player is different. But when you're saying that nobody should ever guarantee that much money for any player, right? And there are some other issues with Lamar that are more, much more um, on the football variety. Like you said, the injuries, style of play, declining production. But you cannot say that Cleveland was reckless and made a horrible deal and then say at the same time that every other NFL team should give that same deal to Lamar Jackson. It just does not make sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to Jimmy the G. Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. Does that make sense? Well... Jimmy's a handsome lad. He's going to have some fun in Las Vegas. I just hope he keeps everything <laughs> private. But as they say, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. He's going to have a good time there. I guess it kind of does. Look, Jimmy, to me, really benefited from a loaded roster where I thought he was the absolute definition of game manager. And, look, he's got a great record as a quarterback, but there's too many games that I watched where I said, you know what, if you were a better quarterback, you guys would have blown this team out. 
It doesn't work. I'm not sure because I don't know how good the Raiders are. I think they have some significant problems defensively, so they're going to have to score a lot. Uh, I don't know what decision the Raiders are going to make on Josh Jacobs, who was really, I think, their best game-to-game player. He will have Devontae Adams on the outside. I think he's still going to have Darren Waller. Some pieces are there. Um, But ask yourself this, Jay. I'm going to ask you a question. Is Jimmy G really an upgrade over Derek Carr? Boom. That's exactly where I was going. That's exactly what I was – I was just like, what – you dusted Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, what? And literally, I'm trying. Is there any reports about what type of money it is? It's going to cost for Garoppolo. I, I can't wait to compare Jimmy G's deal with uh, uh, with the deal that uh, Carr just got from Carolina. I mean that's twenty why million someone, a year for Jimmy. Twenty million a year for for Jimmy G, and Carr, I think got sixty over two years in New Orleans so, or whatever. But it's a different value if you go by salary. But that's like a guy saying, you know what? I'm sick of this Corolla. Corollas are nice. I'm gonna get a new fancy car. Two weeks later, hey, what kind of car did you get? Oh, I got a Honda Civic. Okay, I mean you got the same car. <laughs> <laughs> But the salaries matter. If he's getting paid $10 million less, again, I don't know the figures, but if he's getting paid significantly less, then that variable does matter in terms of value and cap space. Hold on. Someone is saying only $34 million is guaranteed. Is that for Garoppolo or is no. that for Derek Carr? <laughs> no. that, 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 that's, I need some help. How much guaranteed money are these two guys getting? Because is, that is – the key. I, 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 Jason, I'm just worried with you, though. They got the same guy. You Jason, know. the other factors, though, you know with Garoppolo, that's pretty much going to be a stopgap. The issue with Carr was, look, here's the difference. Carr had been there for a full decade, basically. So that's like the relationship that had come to an end. It's time to jettison. Let's just part, shake hands. It was a nice union. It's time to get away. The belief, I think, from the Raiders is, okay, this guy's serviceable. He's solid. There's not going to be this huge drop-off in play, if any. But we kind of know that we haven't invested a lot of years into him. And moving forward, at any time, we could just cut bait with the guy. That might be the advantage of having Jimmy Garoppolo for this particular season. I agree. I, 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 and I guess they, well, they make this move because it's clear that Aaron Rodgers isn't coming there and there's going to be no reunion yeah. with uh, right. Devontae Adams. I want <laughs> Devontae Adams. I wonder what he thinks going from Aaron uh, Rodgers to Derek Carr to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I, I don't think that's going to work. As a Chiefs fan, I'm sitting there, okay, the, the Raiders are no threat. I got to worry about Justin Herbert and, you know, Russell Wilson maybe is going to bounce back. But the Raiders are going to continue to be the Raiders. I I, I don't. I'd, I'd rather go well, and maybe they will draft some. Maybe the Raiders will draft somebody late in the draft, or I'm not sure we're middle of the draft somewhere. But uh, Steve, that that's all I got. Unless you got something else you want to add, you know, we'll turn yeah, the show I, I wa- back over to you. Yeah, I kind of goofed last week uh, during two live Koreans. When we, we did our top five comedians of all time, I thought we were just going by stand-ups. And when I rewatched the show, I did not give enough credit to Eddie Murphy. Because I because I thought, again, I thought we were just going stand-up. But I will say this. You have to include his run at Saturday Night Live when he basically rescued a show that was sinking. And he alone, with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Gumby, damn it, James Brown, Hot Tub, he was the show. So if you put that in there, you know what? Kill my landlord in the middle landlord. of the night. Right. Simply I mean, well, because he's white. Right. And James <laughs> Brown hot tub is hot. Woo! I was just like, you know what? He deserves a place on the Mount Rushmore. Because if you look at everything that he did all the way up until Boomerang, which I buy, by the way, the, people kill me for it. Boomerang's on my Mount Rushmore of Eddie Murphy movies. I think it was brilliant in a lot of different ways. But I did not factor in everything. I kind of misunderstood the question. So, Eddie Murphy, you are on my Mount Rushmore. Just my apologies. 
I'm sure that's very that's very important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, having starred in a movie with Chris Tucker, how are you leaving Chris Tucker out of your mouth, Rush Roar? I mean, you, the work you guys did in Rush Hour, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, my uncle Jackie did a nice job. We talk about it often during the Crouching Tiger Thanksgiving, but he's no, but he's no Eddie. He's no Eddie. He's no Eddie. <laughs> uh, kill my landlord. In the, I can remember. I, I can remember as a kid, man. We'd stay up so late to watch Saturday Night Live. Kill my landlord. Thank you, Steve. In the Thanks. middle of the night, simply because he's white. That's when you used to be able to crack jokes like that. Now you can't because now it's reality. People say that stuff with a straight face. All right, we'll play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want.